0: This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions, fighting out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue socks. presenting Kyle Brandt!
1: Thank you, Bruce Buffer. Let's go. This one is going to be special. Welcome to 10 Questions. You know the deal at this point. It's not just a conversation. It's a competition. Everybody leaves with a score. It could be a 6 out of 10, a 10, a 0, a 1. They get 10 questions somehow related to their life and their career. They got to try to get them right. If they get the question right, they will hear this beautiful sound. I think we're going to hear a lot of those today because today's contestant is a legend. But if he gets one wrong, he has to hear this sound. Oh, yeah. And the last thing he hears before he comes on properly is how some prior contestants have done. Let's just roll for today's contestant some of his competition and their scores and what he'll be trying to take
2: down. I'm Michael, the playmaker, three times Super Bowl champion. And I got a seven out of 10.
0: Hey, I'm Kirk Cousins, and I got a five out of 10.
2: Hey, I'm Aaron Andrews. I got a 5 out of 10. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got 6 out of 10.
1: And here we go, today's contestant on 10 Questions. In high school, he used to run a play called 838 Power Pitch, in which he would toss it to the running back and then get in front of the running back and block for them. It's ludicrous, but he ran it incredibly well. He has a new podcast called Bowling with Favre, together with Eric Bowling on Podcast One and he reps green eagle which is even cooler than it sounds it's nano cbd pain relief it's badass and so is our contestant his name is brett Favre. brett welcome to 10 questions brother
2: thank you for having me man i got i got big shoes to fill
1: yes you do do you know what you're in for today brett are you ready to rock are you ready to compete
2: well we'll we'll find out i think
1: so I think you are, too. It's going to be 10 questions, Brett. They all have something to do with you, your career, everything you're into now. If for some reason you're like, shit, Kyle, I-, I don't have any clue on that. You do have one lifeline, and our lifeline is called Ask a Millennial. If you want to use the Ask a Millennial, we bring in this young kid who might have a different perspective than you or me, and we'll
2: he can try to no help clue. you. The words. <laughs> yeah, right? You might have
1: no clue. We all might be the blind leading the blind. But, Brett, here we go. We got some big, big shoes to fill, as you said. We can't get any points until we get the first one. Here's 10 questions with Brett Favre. Question number one, your category is travel. Brett, what is the name of Chicago's airport? O'Hare. He says it very quickly, the rocket arm release. O'Hare, is that right? Absolutely it is.
2: Although there's a midway, but I'm going to go with the biggest.
1: We would have accepted either. Brett, you used to come into Chicago at least once a year in the fall and just terrorize the Chicago Bears. As a Chicago kid growing up, I have to be honest with you. I should hate you as I look at you. I really should because of what you did to the Bears. I fucking hated Isaiah Thomas. Hated him all day long. And yet, Brett, I loved Brett Favre. My family loved Brett Favre. My question for you, what was your relationship looking back with opposing fans on the road?
2: typical you know like uh, typical in the sense that we were the opponent we were ragged on pretty good uh or pretty bad however you want to look at it but I think uh over time here hearing your comment I've heard that a lot of times from a lot of people yeah from opposing uh stadiums teams and uh, I think there's a a mutual respect between a long, long time player who's had success, especially against maybe his rival opponent uh, and the, the fans, much like the players, you know, I, I hated playing against Urlacher. I hated playing against uh, Peanut Tillman, uh, you know, Lance Briggs, but there was a mutual respect there and more so after the fact than while you're in, in the moment. So that's kind of the relationship between me and the fans.
1: It's incredible. I I was the only kid in Chicago who had a Michael Jordan poster, Ryan Sandberg, and Brett Favre in the same room. But you were just so damn fun to watch. And I know you're going to be in your next endeavor, Brett, which we're going to get into here. You're one for one. Let's see how we can do. Question number two, you have a choice here. Brett, for category, would you like Super Bowl halftime or Super Bowl national anthem? It's your choice. Uh,
2: Super Bowl national anthem.
1: Super Bowl National Anthem. Brett, you won Super Bowl thirty-one in New Orleans. Who sang the National Anthem that night? I know who did the halftime show. Does that count? But you picked National Anthem. I gave you the choice. Do you want to double back to halftime show, or do you want to stick to National Anthem? I'll I'll give you the option. I'm going to go back to halftime. Okay. Brett Favre checking down, audibly out as he did for the touchdown against the Broncos in the Super Bowl. But we're talking Super Bowl 31 in New Orleans. All right, Brett, who was the halftime performer in that game? ZZ Top. He says ZZ Top. Could that possibly be right? Yeah. Sharp-dressed man. It was ZZ Top. It was James Brown. And it was the Blues Brothers. Just for your own information, Brett, Luther Vandross sung the national anthem that day, should you ever be asked about that. But you are two for two. Brad, I ask about the Super Bowl. We're recording this right now, days before Super Bowl 55, 24 years later. Two incredible quarterbacks. If you are down five with a minute and a half left, no timeouts, have to go 80 yards, do you want Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes?
2: Tom Brady. No no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes, but how many times have we seen Tom Tom Brady do it? I I, I mean, over and over and over again. And I just got to, I have to go with the experience.
1: Tom Brady's lost a few Super Bowls too, Brett. He's come up short a few times. He's had some big turnovers and big spots, and you still don't blink. This crazy talent lost of homes. more
2: than most people would ever play in, but uh-huh. he's also won way more than anyone will play in.
1: <laughs> it's true. I mean, it seemed like it was incredible. You got to two. Tom Brady's now playing in his 10th. I-, I wonder, Brett, you're doing this new podcast, Bowling with Favre, with Eric Bowling on podcast one. What would you talk about this week on the podcast going to the super Bowl what when you look at this Super Bowl, what interests you? What would you open up your show with
2: I don't know I, you know I think there's a couple of intriguing things to talk about the first Super Bowl and hopefully the last in a pandemic you know the the the, the big spectacle that the Super Bowl has become will not be the big spectacle uh, there won't be the inundation of people and and Celebrities and radio rows and, and, uh, commercial. I mean, I just, all the stuff that goes with the Super Bowl will be for the most part non existent. Uh, and how, how will that look? And I also, the matchup of the two quarterbacks and the fact that Tom Brady's with a new team, but same old tricks, uh, you know. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things. I don't know if, that would eat up an hour,
1: really easy. Sure, and you can play some ZZ Top to start the thing. Just looking for some tush; it would sound great. That is you again, bowling with Far. If you always want to hear Bob Farb's thoughts on things, he now has the podcast to do it. Brett, you also have a two out of two. We're moving quickly along to question three. We're going to get hot here. This is called finish your line. Now we had Matthew McConaughey on here doing lines from uh, Days to Confuse. We had Tim Robbins, Shawshank Redemption. What I'm going to do for you is, I'm going to play a line of dialogue from a movie you were in. It's going to stop. And when it stops, you have to say what your line is in the movie to see if you remember it. You cool with this? Uh Let you know. Here we go. Brett Favre, let's go back to 1998, play the clip, and then finish your line. (laughs) Touchdown! Hi, (laughs) Barry. Brett? What the hell is Brett Favre
2: doing
0: here?
2: in Miami to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. In Miami to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. <laughs> I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
1: is three for three. It's a great line. Brett, how did you, walking in with Ben Stiller to Cameron Diaz, how did that thing come to be?
2: Well, uh, probably a couple of months before we shot that. We shot that somewhere in the spring after the Super Bowl win they had contacted my agent about doing a, you know, a small part in a movie that had, uh, Matt Dillon, uh, Cameron Diaz, Ben Stiller, Chris Elliott. And, uh, it's hard to imagine, but none of those guys were famous at the time. I mean, Matt Dillon had probably been the longest tenured actor who, who I really knew. And, um, They said, you know, there's no money involved, I think like $1,500, but it wasn't about the money. Uh, I I thought, you know, this is a chance of a lifetime. I don't foresee, nor do I want a future in in film. So this would be something that someday I'll look back and laugh over and be able to joke around with my kids and grandkids, which is exactly uh, what it is. But we went down, me and my wife flew down to Miami, filmed a day and a half, Uh, went out to dinner with the whole cast. It was a great experience. They were awesome. Uh, And it's one of those things that, in in hindsight, I'm so glad I did it, Uh, just to to say I've done it.
1: It's incredible because you're right. The people weren't famous at the time, yet it turns out to be this massive hit in this iconic movie. I read, Brett, that you actually were the third choice for the role. I, I, am I right? There's two other quarterbacks who were going to do it before you.
2: Yeah, I think I, I know for a fact that I think Steve young was one of those. I'm not sure who the other was, but uh, I, I didn't read realize
1: that, that that young didn't want to do it because it was R rated and he didn't want young Mormon kids to see the content. And then I also read that they were going to get drew Bledsoe, but he injured himself stage diving at an Everclear concert. <laughs> and that's how they got to you.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I, I vaguely remember uh, uh, both being first and second. So, uh, yeah. you know, lucky me, I guess. I didn't lucky me because I wasn't stage diving. <laughs>
1: yeah, right at Everclear. Did you and do you catch hell for uh, your performance in the film?
2: I think most people. Uh, didn't look you know I always joke with people I said you know and this was early in my career it was 96 right after the 96 Super Bowl that I said I should have won an Oscar and they said an Oscar and I said yeah they told me to act stiff and nervous (laughs) which I did a great job of Uh, I mean I was so nervous uh the Super Bowl had nothing on this um and and my acting or lack thereof um Obviously, was was uh, was front and center. So I, I think most people just generally poke fun at the fact that I was in. Like, man, I can't believe you were in that movie. I was watching that; it it's funny as hell, and you were in it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's
1: pretty cool. It's really cool. And Brett, if anybody ever gives you shit about your performance, just tell them to turn on Dan Marino and Ace Ventura, and he makes you look like uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Man, I'm telling you, you're way better than Marino. Thank you. You're welcome. You're also three for three in our little game here. Like you said, there's some stiff competition. Rogers got six out of 10. I know probably a lot of people will compare your scores to him, so you're doing great. Your category for question four is military tactics. The United States launched Patriot missiles to intercept Iraqi Scud missiles during what war Oh. Do you think yeah the what patriots say, yeah. intercepting the scuds what comes to mind
2: war on iraq
1: the war on iraq i'm gonna accept that i'm gonna absolutely accept that that is a correct answer desert storm or gulf war i'm asking you about missiles that intercept other missiles because as you know in addition to all the amazing things that you've done you're the all-time interception leader you cracked me up once, and this is part of that charm where you threw six interceptions and a playoff loss to the Rams. And they said, Brett, what happened? And you said, well, if we could have gotten the ball back, I easily could have thrown seven or eight. And everybody laughed, and it was hilarious. My question to you, these days, when you're at home and you're out on the ranch and you're on your tractor and you have your own time, do you look back in moments like that and are you proud of the fearlessness? Or do you maybe say, damn, I wish the young gunslinger could have thrown out of bounds a few more times?
2: Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, much like I said in my Hall of Fame speech, that I'm, I'm, i look back with no regrets. That's not to say that I don't wish we'd won more Super Bowls, which is totally in relation to winning more games. Um, there's some plays I wish I had back, but I know I did it 100% all, all the time. I studied, I prepared, and I just turned it loose. And you know that game in particular, uh, when it rains, it pours. I had three balls that were tipped. Uh, you know, I mean, and, I, and I'm not making excuses because I threw a bunch in my career. That you go, what is he thinking? But the game got out of what got out of hand. I mean, their offense was tremendous, and we had to match them, score for score, which we did. And and Mike Sherman says, hey, I'm just going to take you out. I had five picks. Uh, he said, I'm just going to take you out. I mean, and we couldn't win the game. I said, hey, I'm going back in. I can get six and break a record. <laughs> and sure enough, he got tipped. And there went my sixth interception. So, you know, you, you got to laugh at yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. you, you know, Uh i like to say it is what it is and and that's that's the way i look at it i i really don't think back and, and reflect in a negative uh perspective
1: it's funny it's like it's almost brett it's it's sincere like if you do have any regret about that game it's legitimately that you didn't get seven or eight because what the hell do bold of what you do at all right yeah i mean if you're gonna go go big that's what she always did, and that's exactly what he's doing here. Brett Favre's tearing through our game here. Some people get completely humbled. You're already at four out of four. Brett, question number five, it's called Name the Movie. This is very simple. I'm going to play a clip from a movie. It's a movie that in my research I know for a fact you have seen. you got to listen really closely, but just listen to the scene, and all you need to do is say the name of the movie to go five out of five on a blistering start. Brett Favre, listen closely. Name this
2: movie.
0: I don't exactly know what I'm required to say in order for you to have
2: intercourse with me,
0: but could we assume that i said all that? I mean, essentially, we're talking about fluid exchange, right? So could we just go straight to the sex? Oh, that was sweet. Have a nice night, asshole.
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. I know that's
1: Russell Crowe. Okay. All right. We got something. It is Russell Crowe. I, I, I'm fairly
2: certain it's not Gladiator. <laughs> I don't think Maximus talked about fluid exchange in the Coliseum. You're probably right. <laughs> um, it's a, I'm guessing it's not A Beautiful Mind. I, I, I'm at a loss. All right, well,
1: here's where we are, Brett. You have the lifeline yet to ask a millennial. That movie, I think, came out in maybe 01, do you want to bring in the young person and ask them if they know it, or do you want to just take a guess and punt, which is not something you love to do?
2: Um, I, I think I'll pass because I may need, I don't think a millennial will know that. Uh, I, I, I think I'm just going to have to take a loss.
1: All right. He's going to take a loss, and that is an incorrect answer. He's going to save this, the millennial. Brett, here's what's going to kill you. You're going to be so pissed. That movie was from A Beautiful Mind. That's from a beautiful oh, really? mind Yes. He's at the bar. No, I'm dead serious. And I, I know you that love that movie. movie. But
2: that, it, it, that doesn't seem to relate to the. Oh, well, OK. All right. He, he uh, does... you know,
1: he's a guy who's awkward around women. And he so he just walks up to her and says, like, I don't know how to talk to you, but I, I, I do want to sleep with you. So can we just get right to that? She slaps him. He walks out. And then he comes up with some crazy stuff about physics. It's in a bar, Princeton University. And I know you saw the movie. Because you and I were in a Zoom chat together on the night of the draft, and you called out something about Princeton in my background. It was like, hey, you ever see that guy around campus, John Nash? Which I did before he passed, and he was a real unique guy, just like he is in the movie. Man,
2: what am I thinking?
1: I don't know. You had it. You were right there. You had the open man. Right. You're four out of five. Here's why I asked you about A Beautiful Mind. Brett, I'm going to say this really candidly. As someone who really loved watching you and still watches your career to this day, I worry about my heroes later in life because I know the way you played and I know the era that you played in. Uh, I asked this for a lot of fans. How are you feeling? How, how is your body? How is your mind? How, how is life for you right now?
2: I can't complain. You know, I'm 51. I'm able to, uh, you know, to do what I, I mean, if I want to play golf, I play golf. If I want to go out and, and bike, I bike. I, I don't jog as much anymore, but I mean, uh, overall I, I'm day to day. I can't complain that's not to say that tomorrow won't bring something different but i uh i i guess if if, if you'd ask me at twenty five what I thought or hoped I would be feeling or or doing at fifty one um i w- I would certainly uh look back and say you know everything looks good you know uh, you know the thing that's scary is the 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 brain part of it, the concussions and what the repercussions are from the, from, from the head injuries that you've had. And we really don't know, you know, ankle surgeries, elbow, aches and pains. That's kind of part of it. You can, you can deal with it. Uh, but the, the mind stuff is, is pretty frightening.
1: How is your mind?
2: I think it's pretty good. Um, uh, others may, uh, may object to that. Uh, You know, the thing is when you reach like 50, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, you start forgetting your keys, your eyesight gets bad. Um, You go, where's my hat? And it's on your head. But I think that's kind of normal stuff. Uh, And that happens to me. Uh, Words that you, you're trying to get out and you you know what it is, but you can't say, what is that word? That happens a little more frequently. Um, but overall, I can't complain.
1: So what you're saying is you're going through some stuff that may have nothing to do with with John Randall. It has everything to do with just getting older, And but you got to second guess that I'm sure sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Brett, you were so renowned for the Ironman streak. You never missed the start. You played for years and years and years. If you were to go back now and today's concussion protocols were put into place, how would that have affected your career and your streak? Well, well
2: a concussion basically was, was the last play I ever played. Now, granted, I was 41 years old. Uh, I I didn't pass the protocol for the next week's game, but I wouldn't have played anyway. I, I knew. I said enough's enough. So I don't know in previous concussions, had, I, had there been a protocol uh, in place, had I passed or, or would I pass? I don't know. So, yeah, I think the protocol came around like uh, 06 or 07, something like that. So, you know, I played a lot of years before that and, and had uh, several concussions that I know of. And I don't know. I, I, I may have missed a game, not because I would want it, wanted to, but, but because the protocol in place wouldn't have passed me. There's a, there's a high likelihood that that would have happened.
1: Do you ever see plays back now on tape or on YouTube or something and and look back and say, I don't remember that
2: play? No, you know, all all the concussions I had, maybe I I lost, uh, you know, lost some memory, but short term, but it all came back. Uh, I don't know if that's what that means, but but I don't think that, you know, there's plays I see, good plays. Bad plays that I go, oh, I forgot that guy hit me. But not because of the, you know, memory loss. Because I played 50,000 plays or something, whatever it was. It's
1: a lot of plays. It's like that's why Brady messes up in the Super Bowl sometimes because he's played in 10 of them. You do it enough times, you're going to have some shit happen. You're bound
2: bound to have some good. You're bound to have some bad. That's right.
1: You're coming up mostly good here, Brett, and you're sharp as a razor. You're four out of five as we are over halfway done. Question number six on the back nine of our 10 questions with Brett Favre. Brett, your category for question six is breaking records. American Donald Gorsk set the lifetime record for eating 25,000 of what fast food sandwich?
2: I would say hot dog does That qualifies as a sandwich.
1: Well, that's the debate of our times. Where do, you, do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? I might
2: as well ask you, Brett. Um, I wouldn't call I, I wouldn't call I'm gonna say a quarter pounder.
1: He says a quarter pounder. He thinks Donald Gorsk ate twenty X actually twenty-six thousand quarter pounders. Is he right? Fortunately, Brett, you got that wrong and you were so damn close it was the Big Mac. Uh I knew it was one of those. He ate twenty-six thousand Big Macs.
2: Poor fella.
1: Why am I asking you about Big Macs and breaking records? Because the topic of breaking records, you broke so many yourself. But, Brett, one of the records that gets talked about so much was not one that you broke, but one that you helped someone else break. I'm talking about Michael Strahan, who needed one sack to break the single season record. And I'm going to play you the audio. He needed that sack, and then this happened. Play
2: fake. Rolls right.
1: Sacked by Michael Strahan. And five ran right into him. It almost looked like it was a design play. They're buddies. The handoff rolled right and then just slid down a caught straight hand. You gotta be kidding. So he gets the sack, he collapses, he's celebrated, he breaks the record. Brett, what happened on that play?
2: We had an, an off tackle run to the left. We were winning the game, and I had the option to keep it. If if the backside end, regardless of which side we ran it to, we were running it to the left. The, the option, if I felt like he was pursuing, that I would just bootleg around. We were were basically trying to eat the clock up. And uh, when I turned, he didn't, he wasn't chasing. He was kind of loafing to be honest with you. Uh, And I just went down. Uh, But I didn't think it was no big deal at the time. Uh, What would have been a big deal had I kept or tried to fight for yardage or think I'm gonna run for, 15 yards and fumble and they end up getting the ball and score and win. That would have been a bad deal. As it was, I got chewed out in in the locker room by Mike Sherman afterwards because uh, he's like, you should, you need to let me know you're going to do that. And I said, well, I didn't know I was going to do it until that play. Uh, I felt like he was pursuing. He goes, Strahan never pursues. And I said, well, it is what it is. So, but I, I've asked Michael several times for maybe a little – maybe $500 or something, just a little spending money. Yeah. And he keeps blowing – he's blowing me off. He's big-timing me. Well, he's making he's a lot of money, me, as the younger generation says.
1: He is. And one of his claims to fame, Brett, is that he had the single-season record. And I got to say, at your explanation – Runs contrary to everyone else's take on it. So you're saying that there's no part of you that was aware of the record and wanted to give him the single season. No, I was record. aware of the record. Yeah, okay.
2: I could care less if he got it or not. Uh, I played against Michael Strahan many a times. One in particular uh, that put, propelled them into the championship game, into the, the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and he was he was hell on wheels. When he wanted to rush, he was he, almost unblockable um so I was, I was aware of it but i there was no advantage to, on my end to you know again the only advantage would be is if he paid me fifty thousand dollars to get him a sack which he didn't pay me a dollar which I, i'm a little bit upset over
1: Brett. afterwards the new york times said Strahan deserved the record, but please, handing it to him the way he did, as if he was throwing change into a Salvation Army bucket, was the kind of mistake Favre may never live down. I mean, people were really pissed about this and still believe that you went rogue on the play and dove at his feet just so he could pad a stat. Yeah, well,
2: you know, you know, there's those that no matter what I do, uh, or they don't like me, mm-hmm. uh, and that, I can't do any wrong and then there's a few in the middle so take it it, it, with a grain of salt
1: because i see the other side of it that was and that's some of what we started this conversation about about even people rooting against you liked you because there was a magic to it there's a magic to saying well i respect that guy and i love the way he plays and i know he's one short fuck it i'm gonna give him the sack and i'm gonna give him this memory so i'll just take a dive i get that but you're saying that wasn't it
2: no no, and, you know, and you put it in in perspective. With my, I wouldn't want uh, to start a game and then, you know, maybe I get, you know, a, a torn rotator cuff in my right shoulder and I need one more game of consecutive starts. So they put me in a hand off to the left with my left arm and then they pull me out. I, by no means, I, I would – that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. So – um you know that's just me fortunately i never had to to worry about that
1: no you didn't because you were as tough as they come and you did not have to worry about you set a lot of own records on yourself we only have four questions left brett we're cruising your next question is the category finish this lyric it's everybody's favorite i'm going to play for you a song that i guarantee you've heard everybody's heard the song you probably heard it in stadiums it's going to stop And as the lyricist stops, you finish the lyric. It's simple. I will tee it up for you. Here we go. Brett Favre, finish this lyric.
2: You give love a bad name.
1: (laughs) Yes, you do. Roll it. Oh, yes. Favre didn't even hesitate remember this in stadiums for years i'm sure during the prime of your career right?
2: yeah going back it kind of reminds me of the good old days yeah and does um, me of the good old days of
1: course living on a prayer that's far winning mvps i picked the song in particular though you give love a bad name because love has kind of a bad name in green bay right now because they have a quarterback named jordan love that they drafted in the first round Brett, the first contestant we ever had on this show was Aaron Rodgers last summer. And I asked him the same question I'm going to ask you. This only ends, you can only do one of two things, the Packers. Either you decide at some point to move on from Aaron Rodgers, or you decide to never play your first-round draft pick. How does this end?
2: Um, I think somewhat similar to mine and... Aaron's situation, you draft a kid, you got a a guy who has has been good and durable for a long time. Um, You know, keep in mind my last year with Green Bay was statistically my best year as a Packer of of all 16 years, which didn't help the organization's cause to, to make their move. But Aaron's contract was coming due. He really hadn't played a lot. I think you figured if you're the organization that, you know, if we knew for certain that Brett could reproduce this play over and over again for maybe two or three more years, you know, we we give Aaron we give him a new contract, negotiate a new contract. It, it just it's complicated. Uh, Aaron is is a tremendous player and has been for that organization a long time. But at some point, if he continues to play, you have to figure out what do you do with the guy that you think will replace him? Do you give him a blockbuster deal without him really even proving that he's worth it? Or do you trade him and do whatever, mm-hmm. and then run the risk of an, of an aging quarterback falling apart at some, you know, at some point the next season, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, I don't see any decline in Aaron's game, but, we're not getting any younger, you know, so you have to, you have to, it's it's a complicated issue. I really, I don't, I really don't have the answer.
1: You know, a lot of people immediately just compare it to them drafting Jordan Love when they drafted Aaron with you. From my perception, Brett, the, the one big difference was, is that you used to talk about retirement a lot and you'd say, I don't know if I'm coming back. And you'd even talk about it in production meetings with Collinsworth and Buck or that you're thinking about it. So I was always wondering that maybe the Packers went with Rodgers because they didn't know 100% that you wanted to be back. They don't have that from Rodgers. They know he wants to be back. Is that how it is?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, if I, if I had to go back, the one thing I would change is the fact that I talked about it a lot. For whatever reason, it got, it got brought up a lot and, and it was kind of like, you know, being honest with him, you know, I think it started with, you know, how do you feel about retirement? And I said, well, Every season after after I go, when I go home, I don't want the last thing I want to think about is football. The last thing I want to even even envision is sitting in meetings and grinding. Uh, but I think more than anything, it was it was the fact that we ended with a loss. We made a great year, but we ended with a loss, and that was it was bitter. But you know, I always use this as an example. We all went to grade school, first through twelfth, and if you can remember back. At the end, towards the end of the school year, you couldn't wait for the summer vacation to start. I mean, we, we all were like, man, I'm going to do this. I can't wait to get out. I hate the class. But... And then you got to the summer vacation. And, and it was, man, you ride the wave. You love it. But then a couple of weeks before school started, you kind of look forward to going back. New, you know, new classes, the newness of it. It was a little bit exciting. Get some new clothes. And, um, and then the, the whole cycle started over again. That's the way it was and is, I think, for all older players. I don't think you you ask Drew Brees the last three or four years at the end of the season, two weeks removed, a month removed, are you excited about next year? He's going to say, I don't even want to think about it. But come June, I'll be excited about it. And, and so that was basically what I was trying to get across to, to everyone I talked to about. I just shouldn't have talked about it. So – Uh, The difference, you're right, I think, with Aaron is whether he feels it or not, he's saying the right things. Uh, Probably I I gave him kind of a tutorial of how to handle it leading up. Um, But it's going to be interesting how that plays out.
1: To continue your analogy, it was like he was the freshman. You were the cool senior in the leather jacket with the cool car, you know, and teaching him how to do it every year when he came back from the summer. And now here he is doing it himself. Yeah. Brett, you're five out of seven. Here's question number eight. Brett, your category is cigars, and this is multiple choice. I want to remind you, you still have the Ask a Millennial lifeline. Multiple choice, Brett. Which U.S. president smoked 20 cigars a day? Was it A, Lyndon Johnson, B, Grover Cleveland, or C, Ulysses S. Grant? 20 cigars a day.
2: I I totally guess. I'm going to say Grant.
1: You're going to say Grant? Grant. And you don't want to yeah. check in with the lifeline. You want to go with Grant Smoke 20 cigars a day.
2: I'm going to go with that. Okay.
1: I want to make sure you're right. Brett Favre always believes he can throw it through a brick wall. And in this case, he's right. It's Ulysses S. Grant. He gets it right again. Unconscious, Brett. You're doing fantastic. I ask you not to ask about cigars, but about presidents. And not about politics, but about golf. Brett, you golfed with President Trump. Bunch of questions. How does that invite come down? How does that? How does the setup happen?
2: One of his uh, staff aides uh, just happened to go to high school at Oak Grove High School, which is five minutes from where I am right now, where I coached high school football for two years. My two daughters graduated from there. Um, I don't know if that, that connection is the reason. I certainly don't think it was. Um, but he gave me a call and said, The president would like for you to come play golf with him at Bedminster, which I knew where that was. And she said, You know, we don't have finalized plans, but it's, you know, approximately this day, no agenda, just come up and play. You have to, you know, get your own transportation, all this stuff. We can't, you know, uh, she laid it all out there and um, I was honored. And I, I've said this, if Barack Obama or uh, I know Joe Biden did not play golf, but if I was asked in my schedule was was okay. I would be more than than honored to to play with any president. I think that you know what an honor. And so it worked out and went up. There was no agenda. Uh, play golf and uh, it was a good time. Good good golfer. Great conversation. We didn't talk politics. He asked a lot of football questions. Just just in general stuff. And uh, we just had a good time and then. When it was over, we had lunch, went home.
1: It's a unique way to get to know someone on a golf course. We've all done it with friends, business contacts. What's his playing style? Because w- w- everybody's got their he's own good. style. What's his style?
2: He's good. I like to play fast. Yeah. So he was extremely fast. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he was a good player. Uh, he, he's a little impatient, much like myself. So that that worked Well, so like I may have 150 yard shot into the green. He would be waiting on the fringe. I'm thinking the last thing I can do uh, afford to do is hit the president with a golf ball. (laughs) Um, We get to 17. They got a bunch of townhomes and stuff on 17 uh, into the clubhouse kind of runs. He had one of those that I'm assuming he owns. If He doesn't own all of them. And it was hot. It was like, late June or July when we did it. And it was like 90 unseasonably warm. And he says, Hey, I'll be right back. And he goes in to his condo and comes out with ice cream, sandwiches for, for the, uh, the group. There was five of us playing. And I thought, what guy does this? Uh, I, I it was, I thought it was a, it was a fun time.
1: What role does secret service play in that round?
2: They were there, uh-huh. but they, you know, I mean, you, you, and sometimes, sometimes you had to look to find them. They were stuck, stuck out in the woods. Other times it was pretty noticeable mm-hmm. um, when you got more around people. Um, but I think his plan was, I, I, or maybe it's a Secret Service plan, is to, I think, I think the president wanted it to be as normal. He didn't block off the whole golf course for himself. We had a a, a five some of ladies that were pushing us the whole time. Yeah, they were right behind us the whole time, and and we played pretty fast. So he, I think he wanted it to be, hey, we're gonna play as if you were playing at home, and and it was sort of similar to that.
1: Do you ever have any sense during the round, Brett, when you're playing and you're making the turn and you're having the ice cream sandwiches and the conversation? Does it ever strike you about like? Shit, sir. Don't you have to work on the, the economy or immigration or healthcare or something like you're out here you're playing golf with Brett Favre? No, I think
2: what, what came to mind several times uh, you know, make the turn or have a moment where you're waiting for someone to find a ball or something. I'm thinking, I'm playing golf for the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world. How in the hell does that happen? you know from a from a small town kill mississippi ran the wishbone for his dad to end up here is unbelievable
1: And your next drive goes right in the woods <laughs> i mean shit it's a lot to live up to two questions left one lifeline if you need it you're six for eight you have passed aaron andrews and kirk cousins question number nine brett your category is game shows who is the current host of Let's Make a Deal?
2: Oh, man. I know it's not Wink Martindale. No.
1: Nope. Or Monty Hall. None of those guys. Current host. And if you want to get a millennial in here, we have him standing by or you can go
2: rogue. Let's go with a, a lifeline.
1: Ask the millennial. Uh-huh. Get him in here. Bring in this young man, Brett. This is Richie Bozek. He's 26 years old. Richie, say hello to the great Brett Favre. How's it going, Brett? Let's do this.
2: Well, you better get it right.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's right. Richie and Brett, you're going to have 30 seconds to talk this out. Who is the current host of Let's Make a Deal? And Richie, yes. Mr. Favre says you better get it right. What do you got?
2: Um, off top, I don't know the
1: definite answer, but we can run through a couple here. Okay. Wayne, Wayne Brady, maybe. Um,
2: uh, yeah, Wayne Braden may be it. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Of, uh,
0: uh,
2: Strahan, uh, he, he does one. I think that's $25,000 pyramid. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, we were right. talking about Strahan. It's related to you somehow. So, Richie, give him a strong answer. This is Brett Favre. No wild. Let's go. What let's you go. Think? Strahan. It's related to you. Strahan. Let's, let's go. Strahan. All right. Richie and Brett, the dream team, the dreams are made of, say, Michael Strahan. And the answer is Wayne Brady sorry.
2: <laughs> should have gone, with I the, would have gone with Wayne Brady. Had you not said it's related to me. i uh, know what it. Oh man.
1: I'm First sorry. Richie, do you feel it. terrible? You messed it up for a hall of fame or you ruined a score. What do you think? I feel,
2: I'm so sorry, Brett. absolutely.
1: All right, get I out I- of here. I- go uh, start an app or something or go to a dubstep concert. Brett, I asked you about Wayne Brady because it shares the last name with Tom Brady short and sweet. Tom Brady's about to start his 10th Super Bowl as we record this. What are your impressions of him right now?
2: Uh, just incredible. You know, I, 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 I can't say enough superlatives about what he brings to football. Um, you know, he and I have maintained a great relationship over the years, and, and I'm always so complimentary of him. I think one of the greatest compliments I've ever given him was after they won the championship game. Uh sent him a message and I, I'd watched the ceremony afterwards. And they brought him up and you know they asked him a question. He says, Hey, can we get someone else up here? And that's that's just Tom Brady. He all the things that he's accomplished, how as great as he has been, it's not about him, it's about everyone else. And he wins, which is a lot, with class and humility. But even more so in, in losses, he, he, he shows tremendous class, humility, uh, just a very humble and modest guy. And I, I, I thank the world of him.
1: And that doesn't get said a lot. I know that means a lot to you to say that. Brett, he's 43 and he looks great. I mean, physically, he can spin it. As a guy who's kind of an expert in this, how much longer do you think he can play?
2: It, it's pretty simple to me. As long as he can be protected. First of all, Uh you know, his game is not buying time with his feet, extending plays with his legs. He's in the pocket. He's not going to wow you running. That's not his deal. So if you can protect him, um, his arm strength looks no different to me than it did 15 years ago. He can still make all the throws. So I think it's just a matter of mentally, does he still like the challenge? And so far he does. And physically, can he be protected? And if those two answers are yes, then there's no reason he can't continue to play as long as he wants.
1: When you were finally done the last year in Minnesota, was your arm strength deteriorated?
2: Arm strength was great. Mm-hmm. Everything else felt like crap, like I'd been through a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just, it finally just kind of dawned on me that I, I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had enough uh, up until that point. The, the previous year was my best year ever statistically, and we almost got to the Super Bowl. The next year was totally the opposite. Every hit was a—it seemed like it was a monster hit, and I felt it. And, it, it, and I, in previous years, I would recover enough for the next game. That year, kickoff for the next game, I felt as bad as I did the day after the, the previous game. So,
1: from what you're seeing physically, and if they protect him. Is there any reason to think that he's 43 now? He could be playing, starting the NFL at 46, 47, even.
2: You know, I mean, you, your gut tells you no, right? But based on what you're watching and, and 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 have watched with Tom, there's no reason to think he wouldn't do it. Just to prove everyone wrong.
1: It's, it's, you're right. And why stop? It's working. He looks great. He's playing great. Yeah. I feel the same way you, Brett, as we come to our last question, you are six out of nine. This would give you a seven out of 10, which would actually uh, pass Aaron Rodgers and several other contestants that we've had. This is an essay question, Brett. You remember back in high school, you have to take these tests and you have an essay portion. What I mean by essay is I'm going to present to you something about your life, and then you have to take the time, 10 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever you want to convince me of it. It's about the pronunciation of your last name. Now, you're going to remember this moment. I'm going to play a moment for you when you were drafted. And then you're going to hear Chris Berman on the air try to save it. Let's take memories past when Brett Favre came into the NFL.
2: Atlanta has selected Brett Favre, quarterback, Southern Mississippi. So Atlanta gets a favor
1: by selecting Brett Favre from Southern Mississippi. Boomer's pretty quick on his feet there on the broadcast. It's not too bad.
2: That's why he's the best.
1: He really is. Brett, here's the thing. Before we get to it, my, I have a son who's seven years old and he's learning to read. And he came up behind me on my laptop as I'm preparing for this. And he sees your name at the top, Brett, F-A-V-R-E. And he says, who is Brett Favor? And I go, no, 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 it's Brett Favre. And he says, no, daddy, it's Brett Favor because the V is before the R and he's correcting me on it. And he's saying, that's impossible. It can't be pronounced Favre. So take the floor, Brett, as long as you need, five seconds or a min- five minutes and explain to me how we got to Farv, even though the V is before the R.
2: You know, I was I never got that answer. Uh, my my grandfather was my dad's side uh, was 100% Choctaw Indian. Okay, and uh, I, I any anywhere past that I don't know much history. I haven't done ancestry.com. I haven't done any of that stuff, and I I just think that.
0: Somewhere along the
2: way, uh, the, the letters got misconstrued. Maybe it was over a little uh, peyote juice or something. <laughs> uh, but it makes for an interesting conversation, to you know that.
1: And it makes for a father-son moment for me. And when you involve peyote juice around the campfire to get the pronunciation, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live, believe me, you get the point. Brett Farb, that is 7 out of 10. You have finished... The 10 questions with a fantastic score. Everybody needs to listen to Bowling with Favre. He and Eric Bowling on Podcast One. And please, everybody get your hands on some Green Eagle, the Nano CBD pain relief. Brett, how do you feel as a 7 out of 10, better than the Honey Badger, better than Aaron Rodgers? How do you feel about your score?
2: I feel like I could come back and play.
1: Yeah! That's my man. The last thing I need from you, Brett, every contestant does it. Before they go, they call out somebody else. should come sit in that seat and try to beat their seven out of ten what public figure comes to mind brett that would be like i'm I'm gonna call out
2: the great tom brady
1: do it do it let's talk to tom brady right now brett
2: yeah tom seven out of ten i'm the leader in the clubhouse you've been great but i'm offering the challenge accept it
1: that's as good as it gets. Brett Favre, ladies and gentlemen, I should have hated him as a child, but I loved him and I love him as an adult. Brett, thank you very, very much for coming on. You kicked ass, brother.
2: bet, yeah, Kyle. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again.
1: 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, and Noah Malale, Steve Allman, Jackson Safan, and Arjuna Ramgopal. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.
0: This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike kingdom and the planet of the apes enter the kingdom in imax on may 10th and in theaters everywhere get tickets now this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need have coverage options to protect the things you value most